Action Network podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is our Experts Guide to Betting Series, NBA edition. I'm your host, Maria Marino. Excited to be joined by Action Network senior writer and host of the Buckets podcast, Matt Moore, along with our contributors, Jay Money and Albert Wynn, a.k.a. Analytics Capper. Guys, like I said, just super excited to be with you. And before we get into best practices for how to bet the NBA, I just want to go quickly around the horn and get some more info on your background. What makes you an expert and what makes you qualified? Matt, we'll start with you. I've been covering the NBA for 16 years now. I've been writing professionally about the NBA for 16 seasons. Uh, I have been betting the NBA since 2005, at least casually, and then increasingly more so. Uh, I worked as senior writer over at CBS Sports for quite a while there. I've written at other places as well. Covered league inside and out, been in the locker rooms, talked to coaches and players to get that kind of inside look at the league. Uh, and I'm obsessed with all the ways that we can find to bet on this great sport. I love it. Obsessed. I think we all are a, a little bit. Jay, what about you? Yeah, I'm definitely obsessed with the NBA. <laughs> it's basically all that runs through my mind. Uh, I've been basically thinking or betting about the NBA every day for the last um, 10 years. It's really the reason why I can't sleep most nights. So <laughs> I'd like to call myself an NBA expert. Albert? Yeah, for me, I mean, I we all started betting, I'm sure, when we were kids, like in middle school and high school. I bet, you know, the Chicago Bulls are going to win the title or things like that. But I didn't really start getting serious, uh, you know, leveraging models and numbers until freshman year in college. So that was 2003. Uh, it's been a while now. I'm, I'm very old. So uh, <laughs> the great thing about this show, and, and sorry if I'm coming off on a tangent here, but like there's so many smart people within action that... Uh, I've learned so much like I'm I've predominantly just focused on like money lines. I don't even do totals, but just learning from Matt and Jay and some of our contri other contributors, like I've learned so much and I'm starting to integrate that into my portfolio bits. I second that. Look, I love the NBA and I've been, you know, an avid watcher for a while, newer to the betting side specifically, but I've been inspired uh, listening to folks like you. And I think. A lot of fans out there of the NBA maybe are interested in, in betting, but just like haven't gotten into it. So what I want to know is how can a regular listener out there or just a casual fan of the NBA actually become good at betting this sport? What do you think, Matt? You know, I, I think it depends on what your level of commitment is, right? It's such an everyday sport. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I do think that one thing you can do is decide if you're a situational better if you're a numbers or analytics better, or if you're an injury better. And those are two different, like three different situations. So if a team is on a back-to-back -back and you want to like try and find angles with that, that's baked into the market, but some teams perform better and some teams perform worse in those ty different types of situations. Some coaches approaches those things kind of differently. And motivation is another kind of key factor here. If it's a situational spot of motivation, you know, versus if you're a number better, you know, looking at the market, finding where the differences are between the different lines. Sometimes there will be discrepancies in the numbers that you can get. And you can find those in the Action Network app. Um, I, you could build a model if you're into that sort of thing. I certainly did. It's been a huge help to me. Uh, it's changed a lot of how I bet. I focused on playing the number very specifically and then working from there 
backwards. And then also you can focus on injuries and try and beat the market in terms of breaking news and getting ahead of that. If you're a really responsive person that's got all these notifications turned on from various people, you can try and get ahead of the market that way. There's all these different types of ways that you can bet the NBA. And that's before we even talk about props and all the other different angles and derivatives that you can get into in the market. There's a lot of different ways, but I think figuring out what how you want to attack the NBA is probably your first step. Well, Albert mentioned getting into a model and and having that be sort of what he uses to bet. But Jay, for you, how did you sort of graduate from becoming like a casual to a more professional better? Well, personally, this is all with me, but I had to stop bidding parlays. When I first started bidding, I bid a lot of parlays. Obviously, risk a little to win a lot looks really good, but it's not good for long-term winning. So when you kind of turn to an expert, you're only bidding uh, one, you're bidding straight up, which is uh, just one game at a time. Uh, basically, you're not really trying to string them together, trying to do a four or five team parlay. So what I had to do was kind of just focus in on betting. Even if it's three picks, you're going to split them up and bet them all uh, equal amounts whether it's one unit, half unit, whatever you'd like. But that would be uh, some of my best advice and find what works with works for you personally. Right. And, and Albert, for you, you said money lines are really uh, what you focus on. So how did you sort of come to that conclusion? Yeah, money lines and spreads. Um, sorry, I'm in baseball mode, so I'm thinking just money lines. But, uh, you <laughs> know, like, yeah, like like Matt and both Matt and Jay had really good, very, very good principles and points that you should live by. Matt mentioned there's different types of betters. Um, I call them narrative betters versus numbers or analytics betters. I would say the most successful ones are the ones that can leverage both, right? You have the ability to go back and forth, but also do both at the same time. I leverage uh, a model or analytics initially just to get the, uh, just just to have the direction. And then after that, then I'll look into the market. I'll look into the movement. I'll look into, you know, what other, what other experts are saying, things like that. So I think if you can use a combination of everything, but I think the three of us can agree, if you view it as a chore or a job, then it's not something for you. But if it's more something you're passionate about, if you like the NBA and you want to make some money off the NBA, then it, does, it doesn't become work. It, it's just something that you do and you're passionate about it. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think um, people forget uh, with betting and especially when you start to bet um, just more frequently, it helps if you love the game. You know, if you watch the game as a fan and you enjoy it, it's just going to add another layer of enjoyment for you, hopefully, um, as long as you're doing it in a responsible manner. So, uh, Matt, let's kind of go over the basics here the the pillars for betting this sport you know what what do we just need to know going in and like i said don't be afraid to get basic with it uh okay so i think starting out here i think like the foundational stuff that you should know um home courts are kind of a fascinating one in that last season i've got them all around two and a half points but the books were putting it way higher than that we kind of saw that in the playoffs where you may have seen that the boston celtics were this huge favorite at home and then, you know, a small favorite, even in Miami, they were obviously weighted very heavily there, but it was a huge differential in terms of the on the home and away splits. 
Uh, one capper I spoke with before this episode told me that he's got to measure last season at four and a half both ways. So that's a nine point flip on home court from location to location. That's really heavy um, for most sports. Uh, back to backs, bookmakers have told me that, that they're worth between one and two and a half points, depending on the location. If it's a location altitude that they're playing on a back to back, like Utah or Denver, it's going to be a little bit more because those teams do tend to kind of take the night off in those situations. Um, one of the big keys, I think, is as we're doing this in the offseason, but you should know. The regular season is entirely different sport from the playoffs. How you approach betting for the regular season should be based off of rhythms and injuries and how rested they are and how they're performing over the last like significant span and those types of things. And playoffs are very much about matchups and about how they're able to play against that team, what the differentials are, how the market is viewing those teams based off of narratives and those types of elements. So you need to make sure that you kind of approach betting the regulars. I actually say that instead of saying like, oh, you need to think differently about the playoffs. No, no, no. Playoffs is how I think most people think about the sport, which is like both teams are trying really hard and both teams really want to win. And both teams are, you know, taking advantage of tactical matchups and have done things like read the scouting report. And that's not the case in the regular season. Like players will honestly be like, I didn't have time to check the the, the scouting report. We've been on the road for four days. We got into the hotel last night. I went out to eat and I had a business meeting. <laughs> I played these guys before I know how they play. And that's kind of how it goes. So you're really kind of looking at the regular season at a much more rhythm based and, you know, kind of less edged version from a team perspective. There are outliers in that. And we can talk about those later, but there are certain situations where they do take advantage of those. And if you're a situational better and you can find those edges by reading our content, in the action network app, that's like a good way for you to be able to find these spots where, Oh, they really need to win this game or, Oh, you know, they've been on this losing streak and they need to really break this. They've really focused on not letting losing streaks extend, etc. That I think is where there's a, there's uh, something to be really keep in mind on. This is not necessarily particular to NBA, but I do think it's worth mentioning that much like NFL and I believe MLB is, is similar to this to a degree. The there's a lot of value in the first four months of the season when both teams are fresher they're not positioning themselves for draft position mm -hmm. and the markets haven't really figured out or been convinced by performances. Things get very sharp after all-star. It's very difficult to find edges then, especially because motivation tends to really get variant in that last two months of the season. So you can make like make hay when the sun is out, I think with money line value in particular on dogs, in the early part of the season and then get more conservative as the season goes along. It's a great point. And I think when you were describing sort of the, the nature between regular season and postseason, one word I would use to describe the playoffs is, is just more pure. Um, and we use that uh, term in describing WNBA betting as well, but Jay, let's, let's go to you first. Anything else you would add to what Matt said regarding just like, the pillars of betting this sport. I think the most simple way that I could put it is to watch the games. I feel like if you watch the games, no one really has time to watch every NBA game. I definitely don't think the odds makers. So I feel like you can see uh, different ins and outs with teams with style of play, with injuries, things like that. Like maybe a guy may get banged up in a game. He still may play the next game, but that doesn't mean he's going to be 100%. So I feel like if you're watching the NBA games, specifically when teams are on a back-to-back, -back, I feel like you can get a lot of somewhat uh, inside info just by watching the games. The odds makers are kind of just 
throwing out numbers, but you may know, hey, look, this team is really peaking right now, or this team isn't playing defense right now, things like that, um, which obviously you could look at the numbers, but I feel like watching the game, that's when you can really tell um, by the eye test how good or how bad a team, uh, the team is playing right now, team chemistry. If you see them arguing on the bench, that means their team chemistry is not the best um, right now. So I feel like just simply watching the games right. and uh, knowing teams' spots, uh, you can really make a lot of money betting the NBA. It might sound straightforward, but it, it's really important. I know I always feel way more confident in betting something if I've personally been watching and doing my own scout and sort of getting a feel for some of the intangible things that you might not pick up on in a box score or, you know, otherwise looking at numbers, listening to the, you know, the post-game press conferences that, you know, helps give, give some clue as well. Um, Albert, how about you? Uh, anything else that you'd want to throw in there? Yeah, your question is uh, name a pillar in NBA betting. I mean, for me, expect to be frustrated, especially in the NBA regular season, where it's a daily grind. Um, betting has changed so much since 2014, 2015. Load management is normal. So you might get amazing CLV. It means absolutely nothing. Um, you might get a CLV against you, right? You you might get negative movement. That may mean nothing, Um We've seen so many angles in the last two, three seasons where the star player is ruled out right before tip-off and that team plays better, right? For for whatever the case may be, maybe the role players are more mo motivated. Maybe the other team is less motivated because they think it's an easy win, things like that. But expect to be frustrated. I think that's my pillar because the difference between an amateur or someone that casually bets versus someone that does it day-to-day is we don't let emotions or we don't let overreactions get to us. If it's a losing day, we move on and we try to win the next day. On the coattails of that, Matt, what what are the unique challenges to the NBA? We've touched on a couple of them with, with load management, but anything else uh, you want to highlight? I think that you need to be in the everyday flow of the news of the league, which is difficult. And it's not just the major, like so-and-so is talking about getting, or they may trade this guy or they may, or this guy might want out, which is what dominates the headlines. It's the news from the beat reporters on things like, Hey, their flight got delayed and they got into this city at 3 AM for this back to back. They're going to have had about two hours of sleep before they have to get going for shoot around. And then they're going to take their afternoon nap. Like, these these types of disruptions are major or, um, you know, reports. If you get into the granular, you can kind of catch stuff from beat writers of unhappiness in the locker room or issues with team chemistry. If guys are fighting on the sidelines and things like that, or they look disinterested. You have to kind of catch the flows of the season and understand not only what's going on with this team in general, but what's going on right now. Now, you don't need that in all situations. I think that there are big picture approaches that you can take that kind of get you on a long-term basis if you're betting enough across that. I think that you can be okay. For me, uh, there was kind of this belief a couple of years ago that injuries were the number one kind of thing to factor in the NBA, and I pretty much immediately started disagreeing with that. It's not the injuries don't matter. They do, and sometimes they're the entire reason for an outcome. Motivation is the number one factor in NBA betting the regular season day to day. It's which team is more motivated because it's 82 games with 13 or more back-to-backs in a season. And these guys are traveling so much and there's so many games. They simply do not get up for every single game. Draymond Green has talked about this, about how he said, quote, you expect me with this engine to get up for the Kings on a Tuesday. Uh, boy, I wish the Kings had been able to knock off the, the Warriors in the playoffs, <laughs> but you know, 
that kind of shows you the motivational situation that these guys are in a lot of nights. And you can think whatever you want about that, but if you want to bet it, you better understand it. And you better know things. There are small things like this team does not like that team. So they're really going to want to win that game. Or, you know, like I said, like they're really going for the division. There was a spot last year in which the Nuggets were facing the Grizzlies. They just lost to them in Memphis in a game that they pretty clearly did not give great effort in on the road on a back-to-back. But if they won this game at home versus the Memphis Grizzlies, they were going to be about an 80% or higher chance to secure the number one seed in the West. It was a great opportunity. I hammered the Nuggets. They blew that team out of the water. And also Brandon Clark got injured. And then later John Morant, you may have heard, went to an establishment and had uh, fun on social media. So regardless, that game meant a lot to the Nuggets. And they came through in that situation. Um, Trying to guess tactical adjustments in the playoffs. is really challenging because you have times where you're like oh coach is going to do this because it's obvious that they need this and he just doesn't do it for whatever reason he might know more he might know less doesn't do it um and as i mentioned kind of earlier like i said the drop off after all-star is extreme you better be really sharp to be able to bet heavy into the nba after all-star break both with how sharp the lines get with the bookmakers having more numbers to base their sample on and with how different teams motivations are after the all-star break I want to make a note uh, for the record on something, even though Matt expressed that he would have preferred that the Kings beat the Warriors. He did correctly predict that the Warriors would win the series when he was on our show on Action Network, Green Dot Daily. Um, and he has also mentioned, uh, yes, round of applause. He has also mentioned this idea of of narrative a few times. And I think that's a theme with the NBA um, where it, it might be more narrative based um than other sports and then one final uh thing i wanted to amplify that that matt just said was just that there's so much information out there and you would think that that's a good thing but you have to be able to interpret it properly you have to have a little bit of media literacy and and be able to sift through the oversaturation of media coverage in the nba so i do think that can be a challenge but real quick, any other challenges that we want to point out uh, specific to you, Jay, we'll go first and then uh, I'll ask Albert to jump in. Yeah, I just wanted to second what Matt was saying. Uh, motivation, that was my my biggest one. I feel like a lot of people hadn't really realized that uh, obviously it, there's 82 games in a season. These guys are playing back-to-back. They're playing three games in four nights. So um, like he said, motivation is the biggest thing in my opinion. He kind of took my answer there, but it's mm-hmm. all good. But uh, it, it's all about, because I bet on spots. I bet on certain spots. They could be the worst team in the NBA going up against the best team. And guess what? If they have a bigger game the next day, I'm going to take the worst team in the league catching all those points um, because I feel like motivationally the team could be looking ahead to a different game so it's all about looking at the schedule I probably do this a little better than anybody I'll look a whole week ahead of games just to kind of find spots know where I want to fade the teams know where I want to back the teams as well so it's not just about today Um, you have to look at the games that they just played and the games that they have on deck as well it's all about spots it's all about uh, betting motivation for me those are the main pillars yeah, for me, I think Jay and I are very similar in the way we handicap uh, money lines and spreads and things like that because we look at situational, um, you know, spots and things like that. Like Jay said, Matt mentioned motivation is not only motivation game to game, but you might even see motivation in the game, quarter to quarter, half to half. So those are 
great potentials to kind of jump in as well. And I do want to shout out the rest of our crew, someone like Joe Delera, who focuses on uh, props, right? He's really good at, let's say, he thinks Quentin Grimes is going to have a big shooting night. He's going to ladder that guy from, you know, one and a half to two and a half to three and a half to four and a half threes and catch three of three or four of those bets. So he's very, very sharp. If he finds an angle, he's going to really attack it. Someone like Matt or Brandon, they're going to really build a portfolio around futures market or what they predict is going to happen in the next few months. So in my, my, I guess my advice uh, to just round it all out is just find your niche within the sport, within the NBA, focus on that and, and become like a master of that. And then learn, that's what I've done is learn from other people who focus on other stuff. Well, uh, we're going to get into props and live betting a bit more, but you know, part of becoming an expert and a master is figuring out the tools that you need to have in your toolkit to be successful. So what are some important resources and or data points that you use all the time? Matt, uh, we have, of course, our action app, which is a, a wonderful tool, but um, please expand. Yeah, you know, the Action Network app will give you a projection based off of our numbers of what we expect that spread to be. And so you can kind of get a sense of what one model kind of disagrees with. I've got my own that focuses a lot on half court and transition data. Mine's not player specific. So sometimes I have weaknesses in there about having to adjust manually to when players are out and trying to get the value on those kind of guys. That's a challenge for me. That's where I start. Uh, Bet Labs is another great tool that we've got over at the Action Network. It gives you a sense of what trends play into these different situational spots. If you should at least check your work again against it, like trends are not a reason to solely bet a game. But if you've got an inkling of, oh, I bet this team's really bad on back to back. So you can use Bet Labs and actually check and see how does this team or this coach do on back-to-backs or three and four or different situational spots? How do they do at different points in the year under a certain coach? Because every team's kind of got a different rhythm. You can see all those types of things in, in Bet Labs. And then for me, the other thing is when we're looking at the, we talked about how many often players are out. I always want to know how does a team perform when that player is on the court and when they are sitting out a game entirely, how does that team perform? Perform against the spread for years. The Sixers were absolutely wretched without Joel Embiid on the floor. If he sat out the game, their ATS record was a nightmare against the spread. And yet over the last couple of seasons, that's flipped around and the Sixers are a much better spot to bet when Embiid is out. There are certain players that if they're out, you absolutely want to fade that team. There is no number you can really account for Nikola Jokic being out for the Nuggets, but some other players, the market will overreact sometimes to those and you have to keep an eye on those numbers as well. Very good point. And, and Jay, I feel like for you, there's a, there's a lot of um, sort of natural gut. And I don't want to diminish that at all, because again, you are watching the tape and you are, you know, invested in and paying attention to the information that um, is, is being reported, but any other tools that you find uh, particularly helpful for betting NBA? Well, first off, I use the Action Network app a lot for a ton of different things, but I really like the two main things that work for me. I like to look at trends. How do teams work in this particular spot? And I also like to look at rest advantage as well. Like, look, guys, we have a team that's here playing in their fifth game in seven nights versus a team that's coming off two days rest. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, with these teams playing 82 games uh, a season, playing almost every day, I feel like rest advantage is a huge thing. They actually did a study on this a few years back 
like as well, just showing how well uh, certain teams do when they're um, when they're rested and when they're not rested, basically like sleepwalking zombies. Right. So you look <laughs> at those rest advantage. Look at teams that are playing on back to back three games in four nights. Sometimes it'll be put into the spread. It's going to be put into the spread, obviously. But I'd like to say as a guy that watched the games, I don't I think a lot of times uh, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. So rest advantage is something that's worked out for me that I like to put um, into my tools. Yeah, you got to pay attention to that schedule and also um, the minutes, you know, and and how many uh, miles uh, these these players are are putting on their tires. Uh, Albert, anything else? I want to shout out Jay Money is money. <laughs> I actually timed to see how long it would take for him to say rest advantage. It's actually <laughs> one of the big biggest lessons I've learned from Jay in the last couple of years is to really look into the rest advantage, not only game to game, but these games really have a uh, compounding effect on each other. So if they're playing a really, really heavy schedule one week, you know, expect them to be a little tired the next week. So it could last a game or two. So, so Jay, I, I timed you at like 28 minutes before you said that. Uh, some other tools, I mean, yes, the app is great. Uh, I use the app definitely. Um, but the things that I like to really leverage in my models personally is the lineup, uh, the line, the, the matchups and the lineup. So Let's say Joel Embiid is out. So if you plug in like a Paul Reed, how well do they do both offensively and defensively? And then the other thing that I'm very, very big on is pace of play. A lot of people don't realize just teams just play much faster than others. And then some teams like the Mavericks just play really, really slow. Does that mean their offense is bad? It doesn't. It really just means that uh, you have to look into their efficiency numbers, especially in the half court. Did you have the over or under on, you know, how many minutes before Jay mentioned rest, Albert? <laughs> uh, I, I actually way under. I thought he would mention it on the first or second, you know, question there, but that was good. That was yeah. good. So um, jumping off of what you said with pace of play, uh, I, that's hugely important. And, you know, every team's identity is a little different. I think it, it especially comes into play with prop betting. So let's get into that just a little bit. Um, you know, what do you make of the, the availability, Matt, of, of all of these different props? Is it overwhelming to you? How do you sort of zero in on it? Like, are there any props that you in particular, uh, like to focus on? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind with prop betting. One, uh, we've got some of the some amazing prop bettors at action. Uh, Joe Dallara, Jim Turvey, Brandon Anderson. Those guys absolutely kill it with analyzing the props market. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. It's a weakness for mine that I'm really focused on trying to improve this season. Like we're all trying to always kind of get better. And that's an area where I really want to take some time over on our podcast buckets. We're doing going to be doing a how to bet props episode. I'm just going to be taking notes religiously trying to, to catch up on things. Um, one thing with the props market, I will say is when these odds post, usually the day of the game in the morning once the injury first injury report comes out you have a window there and those props will get hit you see a lot of extreme movement on not just where those numbers will go in the prop market as far as 23 and a half points versus 25 and a half points but the juice associated with it as well and so that's why if you turn on notifications for our great props betters in the action network app you're going to get those notifications and know like oh this this market is probably soft because they bet it immediately rather than waiting and you're going to be have an opportunity to go that way so um for me i think that that's like the big key with prop betting is is finding when those lines are soft early when maybe there's a number that isn't accounting for something or it you'll even see sometimes that a coach has said yeah we might rest this player tomorrow night and so they're back up but that, that will slip past the books because it hasn't been officially listed because they're on a back-to-back 
that backup will have his same number and you can hit that when it first comes out before they say, Hey, he's probably going to sit out tonight. That star players out. And that backup winds up going way over with more minutes. Yeah. Getting on these early can certainly be advantageous. Jay, how do you feel about betting props in the NBA? Perfectly honest. It's not something that I do a lot, but I still I do know how to do it. And part of it because I watch the games and I listen to the post game interviews. So with that, you can you can get a lot of inside info. Hey, look, this guy and also matchups as well. Like just watching the games, you know, this one this point guard can't guard Steph Curry. I know he's going crazy tonight or this team doesn't really have a real center or or a true big man down there. I know Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic is definitely going to get over 12 and a half rebounds tonight. Um, And also. So I say, listening to the post-game interviews, the players will literally tell you, hey, I've been bad. I hadn't been hitting my threes or I need to focus on scoring a little bit more. They're they're basically telling you the next game, they're going to be shooting a bunch of shots. So um, I feel like yeah. if you kind of just stand locked in and looking at the matchups, watching the games, listening to post-game interviews, they can be a great look, a great insight into getting in some on some of those um, early numbers with the props. Again, you might need to be a translator or or, or have a translator at times to uh, read between the lines and what uh, some of these cryptic, you know, podium responses are from coaches and players. But again, to your point, if you're watching something, you know, you could hear a rumbling about an injury. But if you actually saw the injury happen and you see all those different angles, you can sort of assess uh, just how serious that injury is, how it could affect things moving forward. And then also, you know, you hear this term a lot with like, this is like coach speak, but like KYP, like know your personnel. Um, I feel like that has to, uh, help on the, uh, prop side of things, but Albert, let me just ask you more generally, what is your ideal betting opportunity heading into an NBA game? Can you describe sort of a scenario where like, oh, you know, I need to bet that. There's three that really pop out um, and it happened during the playoffs. So one was the 2020 NBA finals. Uh, after game one, it was clear that Danny Green wasn't able to play in that series. Like Miami was just going to play him off the court. So why, why as a better or a, f- a fan of the NBA would you expect him to play in game two or game three or game four? So that was an awesome opportunity to hammer all of his prop unders, right? Because you expect uh, someone to play instead of Danny Green, similar to D'Angelo Russell this year against Nuggets. When Jamal Murray is taking him off the dribble time after time after time again, and he can't score on the offensive side, you can expect D'Angelo Russell to play in games two, three, four. He'll play, but you know his minutes will go down. And then we saw the same on the other side of it was Christian Brown in the in the championship in the finals, right? Once he got on, you you could tell that this guy is a a winning player. He's making all these winning plays, and b he's getting the passing lanes. He's blocking shots. So I kept hammering. Christian Brown, uh, you know, blocks and steals. So to me, those are the great opportunities, especially in like a playoff series, because you can kind of predict how the series is going from a personnel standpoint. On the regular season, that's that's much harder because then, like Jay said, you have to have to actually watch the games. I mentioned Quentin Grimes. He might have, you know, went seven for seven uh, on Saturday night. You can't expect him to be that good on Sunday night, right? So maybe you would regress him. So things like that. Okay. As oh, Jay's raising his hand for for those who can't see. Jay, you you wanted to say something? 
I just I really wanted to say this that I absolutely I mean I'd like to call myself revenge game Jay. One thing I really figured out in the NBA is the revenge spots when a team, especially when they got blown out by like 20 points, then next time those two teams play, you better you bet your ass they're gonna remember getting blown out. So revenge spots in the NBA may not work as good in some of the other sports, which I still like the spot in any sport, but in the NBA particular, when they're playing four times a year, I absolutely love revenge spots you can look at the history of when the teams have last played it can even be from the year before like a playoff uh, yeah. revenge angle oh my god it's just i've made so much money with this guys just please if you're listening to this pod list uh pay attention to the revenge spots it can be from playoffs last year or an in-season revenge spots are something to pay attention to I love it. I can't believe we made it this long without mentioning revenge spots. And again, I think this is one of those intangible things that you're not going to really uh, pick up on just by looking at the stats and, and really not paying attention. And it's, um, I think, especially important in the NBA when players switch teams all the time. Mm -hmm. And that sort of brings me to Matt. Let me ask you about just the NBA offseason and it's one of the most like, I mean, it's one of the busiest times in the NBA calendar is, is free agency. So do you have those things that affect how you're going to bet NBA teams um, from a future standpoint? Yeah. Um, when then we, this kind of came up in our rundown and my response to it was quote, ha 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 ha. <laughs> because look, the NBA reshuffles the entire deck every off season, right? Bradley Beal is a Phoenix Sun as we're recording this. Um, the, all of these changes, Damian Lillard and James Harden are very likely to be on different teams as we're recording this. Like it happens all the time. And that's before we get into like, those meaningful players that are the role guys that don't get as much quote unquote ink or pixels, so to speak, but they really do matter in terms of making teams better. And so uh, you have to be able to track all these things. And it takes me like, that's the off season. That's what, the, what we do in the off season is we go through and go like, Oh yeah, that guy signed with this team. Oh yeah. They traded that guy over here now and trying to remember who plays for who it's very much is a, who he play for situation every year in the NBA for everybody, but you got to keep track of those things. The only other thing I would say is you need to understand how win totals are built about the power rating that the books use to establish team strength, how those translate out to win totals, how those put into the numbers for the title division, how all these markets are derivative off of how these, the books build those numbers and how you can find edges against how the books have built those situations. And a lot of that does get into how you evaluate not only what moves made more of a difference than got covered, but also what moves may have been overestimated in the market? What moves have driven a lot of popular betting based off of an expectation of, oh, it's a big name move. Betting against that narrative, like we talked about, I think is part of going into your futures betting as well. Listen, you got to prep. I mean, I think if if you don't, you end up <clears throat> being like me where, you know, October rolls around because the NBA season like starts in late October now. Weird. Um, and you're like, Oh, wait, so-and-so's in a different uniform. Like it takes a minute to sort of process, um, not to use a Joel Embiid reference, but to, to process, uh, you know, who's who's playing for who. Um, Albert, do you find that super challenging? Uh, you know, Matt talked about like the, the first three, four months of the season. Um, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, player movement is a big thing because then that may dovetail into what Jay was saying in terms of revenge spots. Maybe Gabe Vincent, when he goes back to Miami, he's going to have an amazing game against Lillard, Lillard right, Here. or something like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big weird. loss, by the way. It's a big Go loss. Um, with, with that said, I mean, 
I still take it very, very day to day, especially when it's in season in the grind. Um, yes, I'll look ahead in the schedule, like what Jay's doing in terms of finding spots in terms of rest advantages or disadvantages, right? There's always two sides to everything. Um, but once the season starts, you kind of have an idea through, you know, your research. And again, this is a betting pod, right? So when you look at, let's go, let's say you go to FanDuel and you go to the NBA page and you see all the different win totals or you see all the different spreads, the more you do it, the more you kind of already have the story in front of you. So now you're just trying to find the edges or the soft spots of those stories. Because if the worst team, let's say, no offense to San Antonio and they're traveling to, um, if they're traveling to Phoenix, right? But they're only getting two and a half points, three and a half points, some, something really weird like that. Why are the Suns only two point favorites at home against the worst team? Like Jay said, those are things that you want to investigate and really re research into. So um, the more you look at it, I think the best best uh, best way to learn is through experience and and always asking questions. But yes, definitely keep keep a keep a foot on on you know player movement potential movement, things like that. Because if Bradley Beal thinks he's going to get traded in two weeks, he might not care for the next two weeks of games, right? So look into that as well. Identifying those shady looking lines, I feel like is uh, half the battle with NBA betting. And look, we're going to wrap this up here shortly, but a couple more things I did want to just touch on live betting the NBA. And uh, we, we sort of started to touch on this just in terms of pace of play and, and personnel and all that. Which one of you wants to talk about live betting? Does do either any of you have a strong up? Oh, Jay raised his hand. Jay. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about I'll talk about whatever. You guys know that. But one thing I'll say with live betting, you you need to be well, you don't have to because I've made live bets without watching the game. But the best thing is you want to be you want to watch the game once again. There might be a certain the best player may have five fouls, like in with through three quarters like you need to know those type of things you need to know how the game is being called there may be somebody may be uh off that particular night as well as far as like their shot so i feel like live betting uh, there, there was someone that told me this a while ago make sure you're watching the game if you're really taking it serious and really want to win like i'm sure you do make <laughs> sure you're actually watching that game um because then you're going to also see when the momentum changes as well so mo momentum shifts is one of the biggest things in live betting in my opinion there could be a team that up by 10 or 15 points but you know that they're probably going to let off the gas in the fourth quarter so you knowing those certain type of teams that there's going to uh, let off after a blowout if they're if a team is up 20 points heading into the fourth quarter i'll tell you in today's nba you probably want to take the points like they're going to let off the gas put the bench players in not take the game as seriously whereas the other team they're going to try their best to come back and they just might come back and win so those would be my tips for live betting Maria, I do, I do have one point when it comes to, you know, second half or live betting. And I'll say this, like if team A is up on team B by 30 points and they were two point underdogs heading into the game, that does not mean you blindly bet team B because they were favored initially, right? So whether you're watching the game or not, don't be that guy who's like, okay, um, you know, the Sacramento Kings are, are four point fa favorites at home, but they're down by 25 at halftime. Like that doesn't mean you should always bet the Kings. Maybe there's a spot. Maybe the Kings went over 12 on three points in the first half and then they might get hot in the second half, things like that. But I'm just saying don't blindly bet a team that is down big uh, just because you expect it to be a close game. You just never know. Don't be that guy or gal. Um, Matt is raising his hand, but I just wanted to say before I get to you, Matt, is like 
off of what Jay said and, and Albert, like basketball is a game of runs. It's the cliche phrase, but you have to be aware of that. And also what I think is great, uh, about the NBA for live betting is you have media timeouts and you have like, you have all these opportunities where, okay, you know, halfway through the first is going to be a timeout and et cetera and, and halftime. And, and you actually have a moment to sort of analyze and make a decision and um, do, do a live bet. Now, Matt, did I just steal your thunder? No, I think that's a great point though, in terms of knowing when to wait for these, especially with the delay on the broadcast, knowing that you're behind sure. the feed that the books are getting and being aware of that and playing for those timeouts, I think is a really smart thing to say. Um, I was going to add that to me that the value on live betting is almost entirely first half. Because in the first quarter, what you'll see is this, if a favorite, like Albert mentioned, the Kings, if it's the first quarter and the Kings go down 25 to eight, what that basically means is they came out sluggish. One team hit a bunch of threes. That's a situation that's probably like that's going to even out. Like how many I see so often that by halftime, the Kings are either right back in it or leading. And especially the number is important here. If the Kings are a substantial favorite, that power rating's sticky. So it's going to be harder to get a good number on the Kings. But if you have a dog in that situation that's facing some sort of weird outlier quarter start, first eight minutes of the game, especially once those bench minutes start hitting about the eight minute mark when when stars start subbing out, that's when you can find opportunities to go back the other way. Like for me, that's a bit, a lot of it. And then also, if the dog is leading halfway through that second quarter, there have been studies done that have shown that it's actually better to bet that dog as a favorite at that point once the line inverts in the second quarter and on rather than playing back against that favorite. So if you're going to live bet, you watch the game, understand what the number was before, compare that to the current market, and time it right. Like That's the three, I think, key bettings for live betting the NBA. The big three of live betting. I love it. All right. We are going to be done here in just a moment, but we are going to end on this. And uh, the, the question is, what is the ultimate thrill betting an NBA game? So this could be an experience that you've had or maybe one that you're dreaming of having. Uh, Jay, why don't, why don't we start with you? Ultimate thrill betting on the NBA. The ultimate thrill for me, this is actually an experience that I had. Um, it was the Toronto Raptors. They were up by 20 points versus Chicago Bulls. In this most previous season, it was the uh, play-in tournament as well. So the ultimate thrill to me is a team being down 20-plus points and coming back to win, which we see a lot more often these days. It never used to happen, but now in the past few years, it happens all the time, teams letting their foot off the gas. That's the ultimate thrill for me, basically thinking the game is over and then they come, they chip away, come all the way back to win. I almost ran up a mountain um, that day, man. I was <laughs> I was ecstatic over that. So I think that's the hugest thrill um, for me. Albert? Throw is tough, Maria, because as betters, I think we remember our losses more than our wins. I could say that 100% with confidence that I remember every heartbreaking, bone-crushing loss. But there is one win that um, really sticks out, and it's the New York Knicks. They were traveling. They were playing the Portland Trailblazers. I was on the over in that game. I think it was two, maybe two seasons ago, maybe three. But they scored 24 points in the last minute and a half for me to hit the over by the hook. And I remember it because, so hard right now. Yeah. I remember it because Emmanuel quickly, the game was already done, like basically done. Emmanuel quickly took the ball, 
and went coast to coast for the dunk as time expired. And I, I was like, wait, what? That really happened? This They're down by 20 and he went, he goes for this dunk. And yeah, that's a, a big thrill that I can remember today. Unreal. Matt, what do you got? Mine's not a game. It's futures. We love the futures market over at Buck at Buckets. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, Jay warned you on parlays in terms of game by game. And I think he's probably accurate and right on in that assessment. The awards market is a great one to set up parlays in. You can absolutely, if you bet throughout the season and you find positions and you build a portfolio and you take things like Jokic and Jaron Jackson and yeah. Jokic and Jaron Jackson and Paolo Bancaro when those numbers are longer and then Embiid starts to take the lead for MVP and you come back with Embiid and Jaron Jackson and the, and you bet it as the season goes along the payoff is absolutely terrific it's a huge advantage that I think I found in the market to be able to cover it you know month by month week by week seeing how these awards go reacting to straw polls understanding how these awards are voted on to me like having those parlays paid off at big numbers which is the product of following the league throughout the entire 82 game schedule that to me is the best thrill i just feel like when it builds like that over time if you actually do get it right there, there's such a payoff at the end which is which is amazing i have to say i agree with jay in terms of like what makes watching a, a basketball game thrilling in general, right? When it's just like a, a crazy comeback in the second half and uh, some of the unexpected stuff. So I absolutely love that. I love talking ball with you guys. This has been a blast. Once again, this is our Experts Guide to Betting Series NBA edition for Matt Moore, Albert Wynn, and Jay Money. I'm Maria Marino. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you get more buckets on our podcast buckets in both NBA and WNBA season. Also be on the lookout for our other expert guides to sports betting with episodes being released throughout the summer right here on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.